AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and in this show, we're going to take a deeper look at audio for home cinemas. What are the areas that can be easily overlooked, but yet demand much greater attention if you want to create the best home cinema experience? Welcome to The Integrated Home. DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers to state-of-the-art projection systems, and from high-quality processors to exceptional acoustic treatment solutions and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands, including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Trinov, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio. We give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Today, we're sitting down with Ben Goff from CDM member Cinema Luso to look at five things that are important to get right in home cinemas. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Jeff. Now, Ben, before we uh, get into the nitty gritty, do you want to tell us a bit about you and your background? Yeah, so I've been around the AV industry for probably all of my working life, really. Um, I started off in a retail store as a Saturday boy. Um, I've worked for manufacturers. I worked for a projector manufacturer. I worked for a distributor. I've owned my own distributor and now I've got my own install company. So I've seen every side. And the company you've got, I mean, what, where do you do most of your work? Do you want to describe what, what type of projects you get involved in? Mainly in the southeast of the UK. Um, we, we do cover most of the UK nationally for the right jobs. Um, we've got pretty much at the moment I've got three projects that are live and none of them are less than four hours from my house so we will happily you know for, for like US members that might seem on their doorstep but in the UK that's pretty much the ends of the earth so yeah we'll for the right job we'll cover the whole of the UK really. Very good excellent and how many people have you got at uh, Cinema Luso? Um, we're small so we have three guys installing me and admin so we're we're a small company think like low overheads small number of jobs we're not we're not a huge giant firm cracking out loads of business we are we're small selective just doing the projects we want to work on really sounds good to me and obviously for the clients you want to work with i presume yeah absolutely you know, we i think being able to say no is a, a really positive thing and years ago we would have just taken any job that came and now we take far fewer projects we take the ones we want and spend time with my kids so it's um it's a much healthier work-life balance than i had years ago right 
Right, let's get into this uh, subject then. I asked you to think about five things that uh, that you felt might be sometimes overlooked or could deserve a bit more attention from integrators. And um, I think your first one is seating design. Is that right? Yeah, so I think it's a funny one. I'm, I'm completely brand neutral. So every single job we do, I will pick the right products for that job and not what's my favorite product. And that can only start, that whole process can only start if you've started with the seats. So you just absolutely, like, as far as I'm concerned, you get the seats in the right place. You work out what, how many seats the client needs and where they're gonna go in the room. From there, you can work out how big a screen needs to be to suit those seats. Then you can start placing speakers. Then you can finally choose what those speakers are. And I think, you know, I see it too often, like people asking, what speaker should I use in this room? Well, how far are you gonna sit away from them? How many clients have you got in the room? Like what, there's so many decisions to make before you choose speakers. Like it's just ridiculous. So it has to be the starting point. You've got to know where are those guests going to be sat so that you can then put the right equipment around them. And would you say then that too many times that the seating comes comes along as a bit of an afterthought? You know, you've built the room and then suddenly you think, oh, I've got to put X number of seats in here. Is that what happens really? Yeah, I mean, I'm historically I've been really guilty of being a bit embarrassed by the cost of furniture. You know, we, we sometimes end up in a different world to our clients. You almost get to this point where you spend all their budget on kit, electronics and speakers and projectors because you know what they deliver. And you forget that the clients we're working with put as much value, if not more value, into their, their fixtures and fittings and the quality of their seats. And they want to know that it's the finest fabric and it's been well engineered. And it's like the cost of seating, absolutely. You can't just bury that at the end. You can't spend all the client's money on kit and then be like, oh, by the way, you need 12 seats or eight seats or six seats, however big the room is. It, that has to be considered from the outset that it's going to take a big chunk of the budget. They've, it's important the size they are, the shape they are. Like everything about those seats determines the rest of the job. And you know, we've recently been finding that we're spending over half the client's money on the room. In, pre in pretty much every job now, over half the budget goes on the room. You know, projectors have got really pretty good and you can get a great projector for not crazy money. And speakers, there's not really any bad speakers around anymore. And amplifiers have got, you know, they're all pretty good. And all the kit we sell is pretty good. So actually, spending a bit less money on the kit and more money on the room, on the lighting, on the seating and those touch points, clients appreciate that. Okay, good point. And so start with the seating first. I think perhaps another inclination of integrators might be when it comes to speaker selection, how many speakers do you put in a room and what type? Yeah, so that, I mean, that is tricky, right? Because we, we see all the time the, the push for Atmos and high, high speaker counts. And that seems pretty glamorous as, like, as a part of the industry to throw a load of speakers in a room and get that spatial resolution is, it feels like that's always the right thing to do, but it probably isn't. For, you know, it, there's very few rooms that are going to benefit from having a budget thrown at loads of speakers 
instead of good speakers. And a lot of a bad speaker is a really bad cinema. Like that's just, we, we've got to stay miles away from that. So unless there's budget to do a lot of great speakers, fewer great speakers is going to be the option. Pre-wire form, you know, it might be that you do a 5.1.2 system. Pre-wire for surround backs, front wides, four more overheads. Client will come back next year, you might add two more overheads, four more overheads. You know, when the budget allows, put more great speakers in, but splitting that money, you know, we, it's just, you're never going to impress a client with a lot of noise that's just loads of rubbish speakers. Just on that, are you getting a lot of clients asking for the Atmos experience? Um, yeah, asking for different things and clients, clients take different routes. So I'm in discussion with a client at the moment who is doing every bit of research. Every question he gives me, I give him a pretty detailed technical answer. And within an hour, I'll have an email where he's gone away and researched that and come back with a really detailed follow-up question. And so, yeah, it's, you know, clients go two ways. There's almost no middle ground. Either they absolutely know what they want or they don't care, they want the end result. Fine, okay, cool. All right, next up then, how important is it to get the soundproofing right? The soundproofing is, is one half of, of the same challenge. So, so dynamic range is, it's the thing that, that separates watching on a soundbar to watching in a cinema. So I guess, like, we've all heard clients who say, oh, I'm, I'm never going to listen this loud. Like, I, I don't need a reference level system. I'm never going to listen to it that loud. And that, to me, just means they've only ever heard a bad system because listening at reference levels is not uncomfortable. It's not excessive. If, if that's tiring, fatiguing, uncomfortable, it means the system's not right. So, so there's two things to soundproofing. We, if we can make the room quieter, we actually need to turn the speakers up less because you can build those extra five, 10 dB of dynamic range at the bottom by making the room quieter. But it's also to make sure the client knows they can turn it up. You know, we built a cinema last year in a 1930s terraced house with an adjoining wall to the neighbor and there are some pretty big subs in that room and they listen probably pushing reference level after next door's kids are in bed and they can do that we threw a healthy amount of their budget at the walls um a sizable amount because it would be completely pointless what's the point in us putting subwoofers in a room and then they can never turn it up. And that conversation started, you know, we're not looking for a great audio system. We'll never be able to turn it up. Well, let's, let's replan that. Let's make the room so that you can listen properly. And then we'll put a proper audio system in it. I've been in some cinema rooms, Ben, where it's almost like it's over soundproofed. It's like a, a dead space, you know, one of those anechoic chamber type experiences. And so you can go too far the other way, right? So they're separate. So, so soundproofing is the amount of all the amount of noise that can get in and out of the room. So, so soundproofing isn't that anechoic chamber. This is making sure that when a lorry drives past, that you don't hear it in, and it it removes that ability to 
to isolate and be in the world of a movie and for you to turn it up and not annoy the kids for neighbours. So it's it's about containing sound in and out. So the acoustic treatment is the other part of that party. Um, and that joins our list as the next thing that we, as an industry, get badly wrong. Um, so the current CDS standard on that gives a figure, the amount of time that sound should reverberate in a room at 500 hertz. And that's, that's the only figure that's given. It should reverberate for a set amount of time at 500 hertz. And if designers work to that, the room could still sound appalling. And we've all been in rooms, you know, it's not, it's not an isolated thing. And so if we look at the paper, the ITU paper, it's um, BS 116.3, there's a figure, right, there's a formula. So we look at the volume of the room, we compare it to a reference room, and we know what the reverberation time should be in the room we're designing against that reference room that this peer-reviewed research and science has done. And it's multiple papers have come up with a formula that's almost identical. Um, and what that says is that that target, instead of just being at 500 hertz, where the current CV22 document says, we've got to start at 63, at least 63 hertz at the bottom end, and every octave up to 8,000 hertz. So we need to be planning that, measuring it, proving it, repeat like, and if it's iterative, you know, it, it's not a perfect thing to, to calculate and predict that. So what we now do is we use calculations, you know, we use our Sabine equations, we, we calculate what we're doing at the base frequencies, what we're doing in the mid range, what we're doing at the high end, we start building a room, we start measuring. If we've got too much absorption at the top end, let's let's change that. If there's not enough base trapping, we've got space to go in to make sure that, you know, the way we've built the room with panels or fabric, that behind that, we've got access to go back and add more base traps. Or you, so you've got to be able to change it. You can't, you can't presume that when you plan it, it will be right. Because it, it's going to be, we're talking about tiny margins. You know, the, the goal, the goal is kind of to tenths of seconds and tenths of seconds make a difference. So it's, it's funny, sometimes you predict it and it's absolutely bang on. Sometimes, you know, it's less bang on, but it's pretty close. And I think not planning it is the biggest guilty thing. So if you plan it and you're a little bit out, you're still probably quite close. If you don't plan it and you either don't put acoustic treatment in, or you just wrap the whole room in 18 mil foam or you use rock wall around the whole room. I mean, you know, you've seen those rooms where people put rock wall or like an insulation product around the whole room, stick some fabric in front of it, job done. Um, that is not the way to, to treat a room. And why, why do people do that, do you think? Is that because they, they just want to be quick and, and get through the job quickly rather than spending time doing it? Or are there other reasons? Why do you think they do it? I think it's lack of education. I think we don't know better. So if I was to go out and ask 100 of my peers and colleagues what the reverberation time in a room should be, how many would know? I didn't know two years ago. You know, it's it, it's only, you know, as a designer, I feel that we've got better and we've got better as a business as we've tried to constantly learn. You know, every room we build should be better than the one before. And 
we're constantly looking at what is best practice, what new research is out there, how should this be done? And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. If you, if you just throw the same insulation product right around a room, put some fabric in front of it, and it looks pretty, how do you know that sounds rubbish unless you've been in a room that's good? And there is a massive, massive difference. It's like a room that has the correct acoustic treatment, you'll turn the volume up way louder. That's the first thing, like uncontrolled bass. When, when you haven't got enough bass trapping or got the room under control, you won't turn it up and you lose that dynamic range because it is uncomfortable because all you get is this monotonous, boomy bass and no one enjoys that. But if that's all you've ever heard, how do you know that there's better, it's, how do you know better is possible? And how do you know that as a designer, you've done a bad job until you experience it? I know one of the other bugbears you've got is, uh, how would I call it, auto EQ. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and the over-reliance that some integrators put on that? Yeah, I, I mean, hey, and that, that follows on right from, from those acoustics. So physics is not that complicated of a of a room well in fact it's probably really complicated it's far more complicated than i understand but we we've got enough tools to make a plan and know how that room should behave and the auto eq is a cherry on the cake and you can speak to pretty much any one of the manufacturers or the, the brands that make an auto eq system and they will tell you that that is the cherry on the cake. Get the room right, get the speakers right, get everything right, and then their system will just bring out the last 5%, the last 2%. But if you think you can make a room, put speakers in the wrong place, use bad speakers, and then not treat the room, and then stick a free microphone in the middle of the room and run a bit of software and it will fix that, it it's not gonna happen. It just isn't gonna happen. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost unbelievable that there are still people in our industry who think that it's a get out of jail free card for bad design. Oh, but you know, this product does this or this product does that. It, it's not gonna help. It, like it, if you've got a design flaw, that design flaw is there to stay. So we realistically, those auto EQs are great for the, the lowest base frequencies. So everything below the transition point, fine. But when you start saying, oh, you know, we've, we've EQ'd out this peak at 4,000 Hertz, you haven't, you've, you've changed it for a couple of seats maybe. Like you, you can't correct a problem across the whole room at those frequencies. It just doesn't exist. It, it's not a thing. Um, and, when they're being honest, every manufacturer of those, those systems will tell you that. Something else I wanted to talk with you about was um, a new standard that I read about in CD Communicates, RP22, coming, coming soon, I believe, in um, first quarter next year. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've been, been in that standards committee now for nearly two years, I think. Um, it's a group of... I guess the people that I look up to as my idols in the industry, I mean, that document is 30 plus years of research of the very best minds in our industry. Um, 
every week, you know, it's a, we have a weekly call on RP22, but every single week there is something incredibly insightful comes forward from someone that is superb in their field. But it is going to be incredible. It's It will be the best multi-room audio educational source that we've ever had. It, we're trying to focus it for the 97%. And I guess that's that's almost my role on the committee is when you've got the best and brightest minds, you know, you've got these guys that know everything and then, you know, they're, they're learning from each other, but they, they really know their stuff as the integrator. But, and there's not, there's, there's probably more manufacturers and, you know, there'll be guys from the big, big corporations in there that, that really know their stuff and have done their research. And there's not a huge number of integrators in there. So the integrators we've got, our role is almost to, to be the audience. If something doesn't make sense, why? If it's not practical in the real world, bring it forward. And where we're at is, I mean, it's gonna be long. It's about 110 pages currently, and it's probably still getting longer, but it will cover everything. It will, it will teach you a workflow, the order to put the cinema together. It will outline everything that, from an audio perspective, there'll be a separate video one that would be done afterwards, but it will outline every single step you've got to take to deliver a world-class cinema. And there are a lot of things in it I didn't know two years ago. It's only by talking and learning and being exposed to these guys on a day-to-day -day basis that you realize how many things you didn't know there's going to be need to be another training course. So the current home cinema two-day training course is great. This is so far above where the current two-day training course is. Um, if, if every integrator just took a few days, it's not a, it's not a one-read document, took a few days to try and digest everything that's in this document, every cinema we build will get better. There's, it just would. So I guess probably the, what's the very biggest mistake, if we like all those mistakes I've listed, like all of those will be covered in this doc somewhere. But the biggest mistake is that integrators haven't joined standards committees. It's the biggest, it's the best free educate, like how much do we pay to go on training courses? And how much do we pay to go and learn and be taught things? Well. Over the last couple of years, I've had 150 maybe hours of free education from people I couldn't pay to be in a room with. Like thousands and thousands. If I wanted to get Arno from Trinov's personal time for 100 hours, I can't buy that. That doesn't exist. It's impossible. Like, and, and like, you've got multiple guys of that level. Like, the very best, giving their time freely. And as integrators, there's not many of us in these standards committees. And it's, in, that's, it's crazy. Like that is, it's the very, very best thing anyone could do is just join a standards committee, even if you almost just sit and listen, because the amount that is taught for free, just rewriting standards is incredible. That's pretty good, Ben. Thank you very much for your time today. I think we covered a lot of points. Hope everyone found that useful. And I think we need to catch up on a, a future episode talking about video issues in cinemas, don't you?
Yeah, I think, I mean, hey, so that, I mean, video is, I'm not, I'm not as much of a video geek as an audio geek, but I'm going to learn. I will join, I will join the video standards and I will absolutely learn. There will be things I don't know I don't know on video and it's time for me to learn them. Thank you, Ben. Some great insights there, which hopefully will help our audience deliver even better audio in cinemas wherever they are. If you enjoyed the show, then please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Integrated HomePod, Twitter at IntHomePod and Facebook and LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony and distributed by Meridian. We are a Wildwood production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.